Amen. Let's stand up and praise the King. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Oh, I'm excited about praising Him and enjoying being with other believers, lifting up the name of Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So you know that He did it a long time ago on Calvary. He said it is finished. Amen. So let's, let's praise Him. Let's hold nothing back and praise the King of kings. Cheese! 
Oh 
everything with bread. Let's give him glory. Glory, glory. Hallelujah. I was blind. Oh, but now I see. Glory, glory. Hallelujah. not leaving us where we were, Father, but taking us out of the miry clay and shaping us day by day. And Lord, it doesn't always feel good. It doesn't always feel good, but Father, thank you. Thank you, Father, for not leaving us where we were. Oh 
deny what the Lord can do Cause you're not done with me You're not done with me There's so much more to this story You're not done with me You're not done with me You're not done with me There's so much more to this story You're not done with me You're not done with this church You're not done with this church There's so much more to the story you're not done with this church. You're not done with this church. You're not done with this church. There's so much more to this story. You're not done with this church. You're not done with this church. You're not
we've seen you come through time and time again. My King, my Lord, my provider, my healer, my deliverer. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning. If you could see the end before the beginning, why do we doubt you? It says in your word, I believe, but have my own belief. Part of me, God, the human part of me, the finite mind, I can't grasp it sometimes. Except my faith. Except my faith. As I trust in God, my Savior, the one. Not trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never fail. He will never fail. Oh. This is worship. This is worship. Words on a page, music from an instrument. It's not worship. It's help makes to help us worship. To create an atmosphere. Worship is from your heart. Bowing at the feet of the king. Saying, though they slay me, I still I still praise you. Though you slay me, I still praise you. Though everything falls apart around me, I'm still going to worship you because you are God. Simply because you are God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, precious Lord.
feel impressed tonight to say this to you. There's been a theme that's been running through these songs tonight. And it's here at this one place where it says, you're my one thing. You can have everything. And I feel prompted of the Holy Spirit to speak to you and say are you ready for that he said if you are ready to let it all go and come after me that this will be an encounter weekend that will change your life and I was reminded of the two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection. And Jesus came to them and was talking with them. And the Bible says that even though it was him, they didn't recognize him. And he began to open the scriptures and talk to them about the things that had to be and why everything that they were talking about had to have taken place. And of course, we know, if you know the rest of the story, that then he left them. And their eyes were opened and they were given understanding and they had an encounter. And, and I felt the Holy Spirit saying, there's so many in my church today, they think they know me. And yet I'm right there in the midst of them and they don't recognize me. He said, but if they'll put it all out there, if they'll surrender it all, I will open their eyes and they will have an encounter that will change them forever. I believe that's what God wants to do this weekend. He wants to bring an open revelation to many in his church. We say, God, you're the God of miracles, that you're able to do anything. This and we say those things, but God said, I want to, I want you to have an encounter with me that takes and removes all doubt and gives you clarity and understanding and puts a fire within your bones that you cannot shut up. You cannot be quiet. God, I pray that this weekend, tonight, begins a, a weekend of divine encounters. That your word would thunder within our hearts, Lord God. Those disciples turned to one another and said, did not our hearts burn within us when he spoke? Did it not burn? Will God let this weekend be the weekend that God, the word 
burns within each and every one of us. Pull back the layers. Pull back the facades. Pull back it all. God, we lay it out there. We don't want anything else but you, Lord. We want the Jesus that's in the Bible. We want the Jesus. We want Jesus. Holy Spirit. Let Holy Spirit move. Let the Father's will and purpose for this weekend be brought forth in your lives. Don't make an excuse. Don't reason it away. Don't let the enemy steal it. He is able to do above and beyond all that you can ask or think. And I believe, I'm believing before this weekend is out, there's not a single individual in this place who will walk out and not know that as fact. The impossible in your eyes becomes the miracle in your midst. For God is able. God is able. Father, I bless you and I thank you for tonight. Thank you for those that are here. Thank you, Lord God. Now speak to our hearts tonight. We yield to you, King Jesus, Lord and Savior, come in your church, we pray, amen and amen. Why don't you turn to two or three people tonight and just say, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. So glad to see you tonight. Thank you for coming out on a busy Friday night. But you couldn't be in a better place. I said you couldn't be in a better place, right? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're so excited. I'm excited about this weekend. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. Uh, we've had dinner a little while ago and realized it's been four years since Brother Jason was here last time. And uh, uh, just believe, I, I told you, I said, God has a calendar. And, it, and he doesn't go by our calendar. He sets his calendar. And this weekend is on God's calendar. I said, this weekend is on God's calendar. And so... Uh, we, we're thankful that, I'm just so thankful for this, this time together. I really am. So good to see each and every one of you.
Brother Jason is, is, is a great brother-in-law. We're so blessed to have him and his wife and three of their children here tonight and um, uh, this weekend. And it's just going to be a rich weekend, man. I'm telling you, it's going to be rich. And, uh, and, and um, I, I just want to tell you that, the, that we want to be a blessing to them. He says, I've come to be a blessing to you, Pastor. And to your church, well, we want to be a blessing to them too. And so here's here's what we're going to do as far as in support of their ministry that they have uh, tonight, tomorrow night, and Sunday night. Anything that is put in the, in the offering boxes on the wall right back there, 100% of that will go to them. On Sunday morning, we will receive a special offering separate from the tithes and offerings that go in those boxes. If you want to do it online, you can do it online using the app. There's a drop-down menu. It defaults to tithes and offerings, but there's a drop-down menu. That's, I think it says guest speaker or minister or whatever, but you can do it there too, and you can put it in the notes uh, if it's for him, uh, and, and he will get 100% of that, I guarantee you. I'm not going to talk about money any more than that. It's just that simple. If God, you want to bless, and God, you want to bless them, and let God bless you, that's where you do it. Okay, brother Jason, brother, I'm so thrilled for you to come. And I told you on the phone, I want you just to come and speak what God puts on your heart, and don't hold anything back. <laughs> that could be dangerous, right? <laughs> I love that. Amen. God bless you, brother. Holy Ghost. Father, we welcome you in this place. The King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty. How marvelous is your name. The Lord God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Sitkanu. God, you are everything we have need of and the more. And we welcome you in this place right now. God, we just set aside all of the things of yesterdays and today, and we set our attention and our focus upon the Lord of glory, the Lord strong and marvelous. How excellent is your name. God, we just, we just set aside these times as dedicated as holy unto the Lord. So, Father, we just ask you tonight, if there is anything that separates between you and us, that you would reveal it to our hearts so that we can repent of it, so that we can receive everything you have for us in these meetings. Let not one thing get by us. Let everything that was destined for us before the foundations of the earth, may we receive them tonight. God, we position ourselves in right standing with you to receive from the throne of God that which you have for us. That which you have for us as individuals, as families, and as a corporate family. And as the people of God, Father, we submit ourselves to the Lordship of heaven, afresh and anew, and we declare in this place tonight that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is our King. He's our Master. He's our Savior. And it is by your blood that we are redeemed, and it is through your name and no other name that we can be saved. So, God, we start these these service even right now. Father, this preaching, this coming to, to lay at the table of the Lord, and we commit this to you. So God, we ask you to give us ears to hear, hearts to receive what the Spirit of God is saying and a will that is obedient to the revelation that you give us tonight. 
in Jesus' name. So as we were singing these songs tonight, as we were worshiping, I just kept hearing the word direction. Direction, that somebody's, not singular but plural, somebody's in this place, people in this place, like there is, there's, there's even like a, a why in front of some of us, and you can pick this way or pick that way, and we need direction. May we not leave this place tonight without knowing that this is the way to walk you therein. Without knowing this is the will of God. So God, we just commit it to you and those in this house right now that are, that are needing to know whether to continue, whether to commit to another year or two years, five years, whatever it may be, or whether the end of a, of a season is upon them. God, we just ask you that even right now, the peace of God and the fellowship of the Spirit and the counsel of the Almighty be upon their hearts right now. God, we receive the spiritual revelation that we need for the natural, for leading our families, for going forward. God, we receive it tonight by faith in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen? Are we blessed tonight? Does somebody still love Jesus in this place? Holy Ghost. For those that don't know me, my name is Jason. My wife is Lillian there, and then beside her is our second-born, Abella, our fourth-born, Titus, first-born, Judah. And number two, I mean, number three is at uh, Bible school out at Christ for the Nations, and then our bonus child, uh, Janicia, African-American young lady, is in St. Louis. But we give God the glory I am not here to talk about us and what we do. I'm, we're here to talk about Jesus. Amen? Because it's all that we do is because of Jesus. Just like you. Okay? Now, let's get something straight. My stories are not your stories, and your stories are not my stories. We're not here to compare who's, who's greater, who does this, because I'm going to tell you right now, who's the greatest in the kingdom? The servant of all. Who was the greatest servant this world has ever known? Jesus. So by reason of understanding, who's the greatest? Jesus is. Underneath Jesus, it's those that are led by the Spirit who do the will of God and are servants. Okay? So it's not about what, what people like me go, get to go and do or people like Brother Elliot or whoever you want to name. It's about what you do in the kingdom because that's where you are. If you work at Dollar General and you're in the will of God, then work at Dollar General and be in the will of God. I'm not asking to go do what I do. I'm asking you to do what you do, but be in the will of God doing it. Does that make sense? Okay? Because see, the, the word of God is very clear that the sons and daughters of God are led by the... of God. Not just a spirit but the Spirit of God. Let's get it clear, because there's only one way by which we can be saved. And if I'm saved, okay, let me, let me say it this way. Don't ever let a preacher tell you that you're saved. Because if the Spirit of God is not in you, it's not bearing witness in you, you are not born again. Because it's the Spirit of God that is given as a guarantee of things to come. Correct? If the Holy Spirit is not abiding in you, 
then the Spirit of God is not in you, therefore you are not born again. Amen? That's Scripture, okay? Now understand this, that if I am born again, Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you must be born again. It's where new life starts. That's not the end of a matter. It's where it begins. Life begins with Jesus. Okay? But that's not where it ends. It ends upon my culmination of my last breath being found in the way of righteousness that Jesus is still Lord over my life. Okay? I do believe, according to the book of Revelation, you can have your name blotted out of the book. That's the way I read the Bible. You can have your name blotted out. It's your choice. Okay? It's up to you to walk it out every day. If you've got a Bible, would you flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 6? 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse 16. And I'm going to tell you right now, the Word of God is the Word of God and it changes not. Your culture can change, your family can change, your business can change. The Word of God does not change. So what he said 2,000 years ago, what he said 6,000 years ago holds true today. The Word of God is the Word of God. Now it says here in verse 16, And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God as God has said. Okay, who is the temple of the living God? I am. You are. If you're a child of God, right? So Paul's right there. In the Old Covenant, in the Old, when I say Old Covenant, Old Testament, because it was a covenant, we now have a new covenant, a new agreement, okay? By the blood of Jesus, it was ratified, correct? Okay, under the Old Agreement, where was the presence of God abiding? In the tabernacle, in the temple, correct? But in the New Covenant, where does the, where does the Spirit of God abide? In us. Now, I know we say this all the time, but I want you to get the weightiness of what I'm saying. That the I am that spoke everything you see into existence abides inside of you. That that which manifested in the form of a cloud and in the form of fire abides in us. That is a weighty matter. That is a, a very most weighty situation because in the presence of God is where things change, correct? Then where is the presence of God? Then things should be changing. Not just when I'm in church service. Not just when I feel tingling over my body. Not just when we're singing the song that just really gets me going. That's good for you and I'm happy for you, but that's not when change is supposed to be happening. Yeah, you're encountering God, but you, it's finally manifested where you go, oh, God's here. No, God was already here. God was already in you. You just finally tuned in to him. Okay, let me say it this way. In the demonic realm, those that operate in, in the demonic encounter demonic all the time because they're tuned into demonic. Those who are tuned into spirit should encounter spirit all the time. You know those little doodads you get, you know, sometimes in service? Woo, you know, we get all fired up because we're people of emotion. 
Y'all are not people of emotion? See what that electric bill says when it comes in to see how emotional you get. We're people of emotion. And we get into services like this, and man, you can feel it. We should have felt it before. Because where does he abide? Go look that up sometime. Go do a word study on what abiding really means. Go look that. Go, go study that out of what that means to abide in him, and he abides in you, and you can ask whatever you and it shall be, why? Because you've been abiding in him. Well, you've got to ask by the, by the will of God. Well, look, if you're abiding in him and you're praying by his spirit, you're going to ask by his spirit whatever he's wanting anyway. Let me say it this way. If God is on the throne, God's right here on the throne. Y'all got him? He's right here. Where's Jesus? Right here. What are they doing? Jesus is talking to the Father. That's what it means. He's interceding on your behalf, right? That means he's talking to the Father about, okay, where's the Spirit? He's here in us, with us, among us, however you want to describe it. Yes. According to the Scripture, he's in you, he's with you, he is among us. Yes, I will be your God, and you will be my people. I will walk among you, right? I will dwell in you. It's all in there. He is with us, he is in us, and he is among us. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Okay? That being said, it's up to me to press into that presence. It's up to me to dwell and abide in the, the shadow of the Almighty, and I will say of the Lord what? He is my, my refuge, my God in whom I trust. Do y'all know we live in an age today where the word trust just doesn't carry what it used to carry? Because we've been through marriages that fell apart. We've been through homes that fell apart. We've been through businesses we were lied to. We were this, we were that. And that word trust, man, we went to that church and that pastor lied to us. They stole the money. They did this, they did that. They, it's always they. We is the they. Because, brother, back when my grandfather would walk in and say he was a pastor, carried a different weight than it does today if you and I walk in and say we're a pastor. Now today they may just laugh at you. Oh, y'all those guys. Y'all steal from people. Y'all run off, off with somebody else's wife. Y'all do this, y'all do why? Why do they say that about us? Because that's what us have done in the past. Not us but us collectively. Are y'all following me? We drop the ball, therefore we inherit what others have done. That doesn't mean I am part of that. Okay, right here. Who's the temple of God? As God has said, said, I will dwell in them, I will walk among them, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Let me encourage somebody in this place tonight. You don't have people. In the natural, you don't have much of a family and, and you struggle with that. You don't have your own people, your own identity so to speak. Listen to me. God said right here, they will be my people. Be the people of God. 
be the people of God. It's not about who my family is or is not. Look, I got family all over the world that preach the gospel. It's, it's awesome to have a family that does, but that doesn't do anything for me. That doesn't make cancers fall off and hit the ground, but it's because my cousin or my uncle or my so-and-so does. It means I got to press in because what's available to my cousin and my uncle and so-and-so is available to me because who, who dwells in me? The same God that dwells in me dwells in them. Before we go any further, can we agree that Jesus was the perfect representation of the Godhead in bodily form? Let's hope so because the scripture says he was. Was Jesus the perfect representation of the triuneness of who God is in bodily form? Okay, let's say it this way. Was Jesus God in flesh? Was he man, but yet what, at the same time, was he God? Yes. So did Jesus walk on this earth for about 33 years, roughly? How many miracles did Jesus do before the age of 30? Hold up, because if God was here, he'd be doing something. Do you know how many preachers have stood in pulpits like this and said that? If God was in this place, God would be doing, moving, and doing God was in this place for 30 years and didn't do anything. Boy, y'all are thinking now. Where's he headed with this? When the Holy Ghost came on Jesus, what happened? Everything happened. Remember, where's the Father? In heaven. Our Father which art... In heaven, where's the Son? Where's the Spirit? If the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells inside of you, what's going to happen? He will quicken your mortal body if His Spirit dwells in you. you got to check yourself every day to make sure you're still in the faith, right? Remember? But where's the Spirit? The same Spirit that came upon Jesus is the same Spirit you tell me you have. Right or wrong? When the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove, everything changed. When we get in tune with the Spirit of God because the sons and daughters of God are led by His, the same Spirit that led Jesus is the same Spirit that's supposed to be leading you. Y'all see me looking at the floor because I don't want to offend anybody. Right. Because some people these days, we get offended over everything. It doesn't bother me. Because either you'll get over it or you won't. Well, I don't like you. I probably don't like you either, so now let's be friends. Well, I don't like the way you dress. I don't like the way you dress either, so let's be friends again. I like my cowboy boots. Right? I like my cowboy hat. I do. Doesn't mean we have to dress the same. Tiger, do you even own a pair of boots? I didn't think so. Is Tiger a man of God? Absolutely. 
It's not about how we dress. It's about what's inside of us. Christ in you, the hope of. What does the world need? What's inside of him. What do the nations need? What's inside of her? What does your neighbor need? See, the problem is, as guys like, like me come in and we talk about nations and we talk about Judah and I just literally two weeks ago flew it back in from Ghana, and then the month before, Abella and my wife and Judah and myself were in Kenya. A few months before that, Titus and I were in Kenya, and we come back, and I start telling you miracles. I start telling you about cancers falling off. I'm talking about crazy miracles. Lame people take off running. I'm talking, I, I, I mean, it was, look, when, when somebody has been missing 17 years, and, you know, in the book of Acts, Acts, 19, 11, and 12, God did extraordinary wonders by the hands of Paul so that handkerchiefs were taken from his body, laid on the sick. If they were sick, they were healed. If they were demon-possessed, they were set free. Well, in those other nations, well, I give opportunity to bring a point of contact because you can't get to everybody's. They bring points of contact. And if I did that, this whole thing would be full of, of, of ink pens, cell phones, so on and so forth. Okay? This lady brought a handkerchief similar to this. Her brother had been missing for 17 years. Don't know where he is. Thursday, we prayed. Jesus' name. Friday, 17 years. She got word. He's in such and such town, and he's a madman. He's a madman. He's the guy standing on the street talking to himself. He's the guy that nobody wants to be because he can't contain him he's a mad he's out of his mind so you take faith and you take that handkerchief and you walk up to your brother after 17 years and you lay it on him and instantly he comes into his mind and goes home 17 years later that's the God I serve same service a lady brings a handkerchief like this, lays it there. Her, her son had been missing. We don't know the, the number of years. All we know is he was a little child. He was taken, and now he's a senior in high school. So let's call him four years old. Now he's a senior. Let's call him 17, 18. What is that, 10, at least 10 years? 13, somewhere in there? Missing. Don't know where he is. He's gone. It's a world that most of us don't know much about. Because if, if we were to have an altar call over there, you know, for prayer for those that have lost family members, it means something different over there than it does here. If we did that here, you would come up here and start calling out your names of your nieces and nephews and, and cousins and so-and-so that need Jesus. That's what you mean by lost. What they mean by lost is they're lost. We don't know where they are. They've been gone for years. She comes on Thursday, we prayed. Friday, she is standing there testifying that her son that has been missing for all these years is at home waiting on her. Did y'all hear what I just said? My wife looks at me and says, if my son had been missing for all those years, I would not have waited. I would not have stayed to testify. It was so important to her that to give God the glory for what he had done, the son can wait. A husband that had been gone for 11 years came back home. 
He's restored to his wife. He's back home being daddy back in his house. Did y'all hear me? 11 years. Well, she should have gave up. She didn't. Who told you you could give up? We just sang the song. Who told you God couldn't do it? Who lied to you? Who told you your God's not big enough? Who told you to stop interceding for your niece and nephew? Who told you to stop praying over that vision, that dream, that thing that was prayed over you and prophesied over you umpteen years ago that has yet to come to pass? Who told you you could quit believing in it? Did it come from God? Well, I believe it did because so-and-so told me and it resonated inside of me when I was, you know, at youth camp at, at 14 years old and now I'm almost 60 and I'm not seeing it come to pass. I tell you again, who told you to stop praying over that and stirring it up and believing that if it's from God, it shall be done? Nowhere in the Bible do I read where you have that option. He is a yes and amen kind of God. And if he speaks, he intends on doing it. It's up to you to be obedient. Because listen to me, every word that God gives you is contingent upon your obedience. Well, God called me to go and do. Well, it means you've got to be obedient to his schedule. Let me also give you some hope right here. Some of us in here, you believe God had called you as a young person and you sidestep what God had called you to do and, and, and you know you got out of the timing of God. I have some great news for you. It is God who realigns you and puts you back where you're supposed to be. He's the keeper of time and he's the keeper of the, of the schedule and it is he that, that lets us repent and it puts us back where he wants us to be. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So let's come out of all this regret. I'm so tired of Christians living in regret. I'm so tired of Christians having to go to their medicine cabinet Sunday after Sunday to take their antidepressant medication just so they can go into the service and deal with people. It shouldn't be that way. We are the people of God. We are called by his name. We are appointed by him. Come on, let's receive his peace. Let's receive his goodness. Let's receive his mercy, and let's walk in it. See, we got to know tonight that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are a new creation. Behold, all things, old things have passed away, and all things have become new. That I went down in baptism an old man and I came up a new creation. Something amazing in Jesus. Did you hear what I said? You got to know tonight when you walk out of these doors that you are the righteousness of God. What does that mean? That means you're in right standing with God. Do you know how many of us live day to day not knowing if we even going to make it to heaven? I'm amazed at how much of the church doesn't even know. Well, I hope I make it. Well, I hope you do too. But I know in whom I have believed, and he is able. I'm going to commit my way unto the Lord, and he shall bring it to pass. His word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. But if I do sin, 1 John tells me, I have an advocate with the Father. Are you here tonight? you got to know I'm in right standing with God. 
Because we can't receive what God's wanting to do this weekend without knowing I am a child of God. I was bought by the blood of Jesus. I have been sanctified. I am set apart as holy. I am the purity of heaven, and he is coming back for me. That if he split those skies right now, I'm out of here. Well, I sure hope he takes me. You stay here. I ain't staying. Well, I don't believe in the rapture. Well, I'm sorry. I do. When's it going to happen? I'm not going to argue with you. When he comes back, he comes back. Whether I catch that, 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 that train out of here, so to speak, or I lay me down in peace and go to be with my father. However it comes, it's coming. You got an end date, and it's coming. My family don't like me to say it this way, but it's reality. Every day that went by this year, you know, from January 1 to December 31, one of those days is your day in whatever year. What is today? October the 27th. Oh, happy birthday. October the 27th. Somewhere out there, if God tarries, somebody's leaving October 27th next year. They just don't know their year is down on the countdown now. Did you hear what I just said? You better live every day as if it's your, your counter's coming up. You got to be in the will of God. Meaning, you got to get up and you got to seek the face of heaven. You got to draw nigh unto him. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. Well, brother, I just don't feel that close to heaven. Listen to me. That's on you, not him. Let me go ahead and offend some of us. You are exactly where you want to be. You are as close or as far away as you desire to be. Because it's up to you to pray. It's up to you to read. It's up to you to fast. It's up to you to seek him. And in seeking him, he will let you find him. And in the door you knock on is the door that will be opened. So whatever you're seeking is what your life is filled with. Whatever doors you've been knocking on are the doors that's going to be opening for you. It done got quiet. If you send your child, and there's nothing wrong with it if it's the will of God, if, if you send your child to university to, to, to get their degree and then their master's in business and finance, and then they go into, they will make money. They will. They are taught how to do it. It's a very good possibility they will have financial breakthrough at some point if they just continue using what they were taught. Is that a fair statement? But if you teach somebody the things of God and you teach them scripture and you pour into them how to seek God, how to find him, how to do the things of the word of God and on a consistent basis, in a minute, something's going to happen in their life and they're going to have breakthrough and other people are not. Why? Because they were taught how and they pursued it. What you're pursuing is what you're going to get. What you're pursuing is what you're going to find. Let's keep reading. Verse 17. 
Remember, we the people of God. So if we the people of God, verse 17, therefore come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you. You shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Woo, amen. I'm all over this, but look, read 17 again. In order to walk in 18, being the sons and daughters of God, and him being a father to you, you got to do 17. You got to come out from among them. Be ye separate, says the preacher. It's not what it says. It says, says the Lord. And do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. We live in a time where the American church has so watered down what it means to be a follower of Jesus, it's not even funny. Now, I don't know what y'all do right here, but obviously we haven't, we haven't meeting, so we're not doing this. But we have church of ween everywhere. Y'all know what church of ween is? Church of ween, y'all know what I'm talking about. Well, we just don't want them on the street. Go ahead and dress your little child up as a witch, an enemy of my God, and take him into the church. No, sir. Not my children. Because my Bible's pretty clear. That is the enemy of my God. I want my house holy. I don't want to bring tainted into my house. Well, it's not that simple. Oh, because it is. Oh, but it is. You can come look in my refrigerator, come look in my cabinet. You're not going to find any alcohol in mine. Well, brother, you know, you can have, you know, you just can't get drunk. No, that's not what it says. That is what it says, but that's not what it says. It says if, if somebody considers it sin, I shouldn't be doing it. Well, brother, you're a preacher. You can't do that. Who told you you could? Who told you there's a, there's a different standard for you than it is for me? Well, you know, the Bible says if you preach it, you're going to be held. I know what the Bible says because i got to stand in judgment for what I've preached. Now, listen to me. You may decide to go to hell, but you're not going to do it because I didn't tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth, and you're going to make a decision. Well, I like my wine. Do you know how, you know how much of a hot topic this is right now? It shouldn't even be a topic. It shouldn't even be a discussion. Jesus is holy, and without holiness, you will not see the Lord. And I'm not talking about the length of the sleeve of your shirt and the length of your hair. I'm talking about what's going on on the inside. I want to tell you, I'm not one of those who wants to find the line over here of where you go to hell and where you can stay in heaven and see how close I can get to it. No, let's get as far away from that thing as we can. Let's, when I die and when you die, let it be known. That man's in heaven. That lady's in heaven. Well, you don't know the heart. Oh, but I know their actions. And their actions were, Jesus is my king. Jesus is my Lord. He is my savior. He is my everything. He's the only thing I want and I desire. Now, in that comes blessing. Yes, I am blessed. My family, we are blessed. We are. I don't want you to act like I'm not. I am blessed, but it's all because of Jesus. 
It's all because of Jesus. It's all because we decided a long time ago there's a better way. His name is Jesus. In our marriage, there's a better way. His name is Jesus. I told y'all four years ago when I was here, but for those that wasn't, this woman right here in December will be married 24 years. The only woman I've ever kissed, I kissed her the day I married her. Okay? Do we disagree? Quite often. She's wrong a lot. Do we lift our voices to argue? Absolutely not. Almost 24 years, we've never lifted our voices to argue. Never. We sit down and we talk. There's a better way. His name is Jesus. But let me also tell you, Sunday morning, Sunday, I will finish reading the New Testament 94 times in a row. 94 months in a row. I start on the first of the month, and I read nine chapters. On the second, I read nine chapters. On the third, I read nine chapters. You're getting me all the way through the 29th. On the 29th, I have finished the book of Revelation. I need Jesus. Well, that's really, no, no, I need Jesus. Faith comes by, and hearing by the word of God. When I'm working out so many times, you know what I got playing in my ear? Scripture. I'm going down the road, you know what I got playing in my ear? Scripture. I'm on my tractor? Scripture. I'm listening. I'm reading. I read the Old Testament once a year. I read the New Testament every month. I am pursuing Jesus. We are pursuing Jesus together. Are we perfect? No. But are we pursuing it with everything we have? Are you hearing me, church? We've got to be challenged into the more because he's called us out to be something different. And if I look like everything else that's out there, I'm not anything different. If, my, if my, my words of my mouth are not anything different than the world, then what sets me apart? Why do we need your Jesus? What makes you different than everybody else out there? Because somebody's watching the same movies the world's watching. Somebody's listening to the same songs the world's listening to. Somebody's doing the same. Well, it's not us. It's not us, brother. Well, somebody is. Somebody is. I just wish the church would wake up and get real. That when conviction hits us, we would respond to it. Do you know how many in this room, my wife's got my phone, but do you know how many of us in this room, God has convicted you time after time after time about how much time you spend on that thing? And we come to an altar, we cry over it, and we go back to our seat, and we go back home, and we do good for a day or two or three or four a month, and then we right back into, and then God convicts us again, and here we go again, and God convicts us about our movies and all the things and the music we're listening to, because I'm not going to stand here and tell you what's sin. I'm going to tell you to listen to the Holy Ghost, and he will convict you. If he wants to, to, tell you, if he wants to get you, he'll tell you. I'm not going to tell you where the line is. I'm going to tell you this. Seek the presence of God. 
And in seeking him, he will let you find him and he will speak to you. You need an answer to a prayer. You need, you need God to do something amazing in your life. Then you've got to get some faith and step into the presence of God and abide there. Look at Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Y'all okay tonight? Hebrews chapter 3. Look at verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says... Y'all see that? Today. 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 God speaking today. If you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works for 40 years. Stop right there. How long were the children of Israel in the wilderness watching the fire by night and the cloud by day? How many years did they go out and collect the manna off the ground? How many years did they see the presence of God manifested in form? How many years did they see miracles and manifestations and birds and all the things happening and God providing and God rebuking and God taking this out and doing this and parting the sea? And, and, and yet how many of them died in unbelief? Well, if we could just see some miracles, man, Lafayette would be turned on its ear. If we could get some people in here, those stories Brother Jason been telling, man, if we could see that stuff happen in here, man, Lafayette would, no, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. Because if we can't get excited that Jesus walked out, spit in the mud, If we can't get excited over that, if we can't get excited that Jesus healed the blind, that Jesus healed the lepers, that Jesus healed the, the, the mute and the deaf, that Jesus set the woman free at the well, and then the whole the men of the town, they started coming. If we can't celebrate that, something's wrong with us. We've become so dull to miracles, so dull to manifestations. There's a man in town right now, if I'm not mistaken, that's got some amazing stories and manifestations, but so do we. So do you, so do I. Angelic, demonic, all, I'm, I'm, yeah, all kinds of stuff. And let's talk about Jesus. I'm so tired of the church giving glory to demons. I'm so tired of talking about the demonic and all that. I, no, let's talk about Jesus. Jesus is king. I am not concerned about what my enemy is doing. I'm concerned about what Jesus is doing. I don't live on the defensive. I live on the offensive. I'm after him. I'm after pushing him back. I'm into this. You the devil.
He's after your marriage. Not him, the devil. Y'all know what I'm talking about? He's breathing heavy over there. We're in a fight. Who's going to win? Well, we're going to win. You know, God's given. I'm the head, not the tail. I know all the same scriptures. That ain't a scripture, but I know all the same scriptures. You're going to quote me. That doesn't mean you're going to win. Well, God said it. Therefore, no, he said you got to resist. He said you got to do your part. He said you got to seek him. You got to find him. You got to pursue him. You got to do what God called you to do, and you got to seek the lover of your soul. I love worship. But we have so many worshipers all across our nation trying to lead people somewhere they don't know how to go. If you can't do it alone in your, in your private time with Jesus, you sure can't do it leading somebody else. Oh, we all own that, ain't we? What about Sunday school teachers? What about youth, youth direct? What about, what about somebody out there trying to lead somebody to Jesus but wouldn't know Jesus if you walked up on the street corner with them? Well, you need Jesus. Why do I need your Jesus? Because our men in our church are bound to pornography worse than the world is. We've got so much pollution in the house of God that how, how can we ever see the things we say we're going to see? God, help us. Y'all in Hebrews chapter 3 still? Verse 12, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Church, I don't know about you, but it's time that the church got serious. The, the last verse in chapter, chapter 3, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Do you know what's binding us today? The same thing that bound them. Because what I have found all over the world, people ask all the time, why do we see more miracles overseas than we see in America? Do you want me to break it down really simple? That verse right there. We have a preconceived notion and preconceived idea of what's supposed to happen in these places, in these meetings even right now. We have a box that is supposed to be within here to here to here. Overseas, they don't, they don't use that box. Brother, I can't tell you the churches I've been in that I came in and taught for, for several services on healing, okay? And this is what I believe. You don't need me to touch you. That is one way God heals. But I believe God wants us to come into maturity and take him at his word and receive it, okay? There's different levels of faith, absolutely. The, the, woman, the, woman, uh, uh, the woman with the issue of blood, she said, if I can touch him... What's going to happen? I'll be made whole. Jarius says, if you'll come to my house. Are you with me? The centurion said, don't even come to my house. Just say it. And it shall, he already said it. Okay? There's different levels, and God will meet you where you are. And, and here's the thing about it. Where, where Jesus, or, I mean, the writer of James says, 
says, you know, if anybody's sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. What are they going to do? They're going to anoint in prayer of faith. If there's any sin, it is forgiven. And what's going to happen by the prayer of faith? They're going to be healed. Is that what the scripture says? Okay. Do you know what they're really doing? When we call elders down in so many churches and you know, when we line up and people coming down for prayer, do you know what's really happening? What Jesus said, if you can speak to the mountain and, 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 and do not doubt in your heart, but believe, say to the mountain, be thou cast into the sea, and do not doubt what's going to happen. It shall be done. Do you know what happens when we pray for the sick? When we anoint them, the same thing. We're speaking to the mountain. We're speaking to cancer. We're speaking to diabetes. We're speaking to high blood pressures. We're speaking to situations. We're speaking over marriages. We're speaking to a mountain. That's what's happening. Jesus wants the church to grow into maturity to speak to your own mountain. Okay? And I'll teach that. Service after service. One way or another, coming back around to it, teach it. And when I get done over there, I tell everybody, all right, if you're here and you're sick, receive your mirror, and all of a sudden, it just unleashes. Brother, there's an angel that shows up. When he shows up, I know it's time to stop, get out of the way, healing's in the room. The thing is, you have to prepare it by teaching faith and receiving so I do. And all of a sudden, it just, I'm blinded eyes will begin to open. There was one service, it was eight blinded eyes that opened in one service. I'm telling you, it, God will do and he will meet expectation and faith. In an American church, I come in and do the same thing. And my wife can attest to this. It, it doesn't matter. But before I leave, the pastor's going to call. Anybody sick? Y'all all line up down here. And the same people that I just prayed for is the same ones that just lined up because none of them received it. And I just taught the same thing that I teach over there. And it was 90-something percent walked out healed. And I'm not talking about a few people. I'm talking about a 1,000 people. Okay? You know what's binding the American church? But I just don't believe. That's exactly right. Because we learned a few scriptures, we know how to quote a few verses, and now all of a sudden we think we're Bible scholars. Because you've got this little tool called Google that will tell you the, the Strong's number and the, the Hebrew and the Greek of a word and this, and, and we're doing a study, and now all of a sudden I think I know something. This is what I know. You need to get on your face and repent and cry out to Jesus. That's what I know. Because I know this, there is a day coming when each of us will stand before God and give account. And let me tell you, I, I'm serious right here. I am not looking forward to that day. Because we did teach it, we are held to a different standard by God, not you. And see, that is a problem in American church is we think we're held to a different standard in your eyes but I'm not. It's God's eyes. He's the judge, not you. But it's time that the church enters into everything God has for you because I'm not going to have any unbelief in my heart. 
Well, I want to, how do I get rid of the unbelief? What did Jesus say? The disciples came to Jesus, and what did they ask him? Lord, how, 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 how do we increase our faith? What did Jesus say? Well, he did, but he also said, if you have faith the size of a, he didn't even address the lack of it. He just said, if you have faith, the smallest amount, the smallest there is, and don't doubt. And don't doubt. Okay, let me help you right here. I know we've lost people to cancer, and we believed. I got it. I've, I've buried some of my best friends. I don't understand the sovereignty of God. Okay, I don't. But I know this, it doesn't change the word of God. Our experiences do not change the word of God. And the word of God says, by his stripes, you're healed. Peter says, by his stripes, you were healed. It's already done. That I do know. So here's what we've got to know before you ever ask God for a healing for something. Okay, you know how in churches, so many churches, they have a list that sits up here, and, and this morning we're going to pray for brother so-and-so and so-and-so, and so-and-so is having a heart thing this week, and so-and-so, and we're going to pray. God, if it be your will. Because we take that one time when Jesus said to pray by the will of the Father. But this is what you've got to know. There's things in the Bible that we already know is his will. Is it the will of God to be healed? That's the question. So before we answer that question, let's back it up. Is it the will of God for every man to be saved? That's what the scripture says. But we know everyone will not. Because it's a choice. It's a decision. But is, is it the will of God for everybody to be born again? Is it the will of God to be healed? Is it the will of God to be delivered? Well, we're all in on deliverance, but what about healing? You telling me that that which Jesus came to destroy, that it's his will for you to hang on to it? 1 John 3, 8, for this reason was the Son of God revealed, Son of Man revealed, why? To destroy the works of the devil. Well, one of those works was, came upon us, upon sin. It's called sickness, disease. Jesus would talk about a spirit of sickness or a spirit of infirmity. You telling me that it is the will of God for his enemy to abide upon us and stay there? Did Jesus die for our healing? No. He died for your sins. His stripes were for your healing, to get technical. It was all together, but yes, by his stripes. By his stripes. Do you believe it is the will of God to be healed? When? When is the day of salvation? When is the day of deliverance? When is the day that God wants to do something amazing in lives? Hebrews 11.1, 1, what does it say? Now faith is. What's he looking for? Faith. When's he looking for it? 
now. Okay? You need, you need direction. You need to know when is the answer. You need to know what to do. You need to know about business and starting something or not starting something. When does God want to speak to you? You, you're asking him, because again, where is, where's, where's the father? He's right here. Where's the son? Right here. Where's the spirit? Right here. What are they doing? They're talking about you. So when the Bible says to pray by the spirit, you know what you're actually doing? This is what you're actually doing. They're talking. His spirit is coming, and he's praying through you, and it's coming out of your mouth. And if you're praying by his spirit, your prayer is returning to the very one that gave it to you. So he desires to answer his own request. Did y'all follow that right there? They're talking. I have an advocate with the Father. They're talking. His spirit is, is praying through me. I'm praying by his spirit. What are you praying? His will. And 1 John tells me that when I pray, I know he hears me. And when he hears me, he will answer me. So you know what you're actually trying to do when you're praying? You're trying to get God to speak. That's the reality of it. The Bible says that when I pray, he's hearing me. And when he hears me, he will answer. Daniel. 21 days, he fasted. Why? Because his answer was there, but was withheld. When did God answer Daniel? Immediately. It wasn't a lack of faith. It wasn't that God didn't answer. It wasn't that God didn't hear him. God heard him. God answered him. It got withheld. Brother, I've been praying for years for an answer. What if God already spoke and you didn't like what he said the first time? Because you know we go to conference after conference trying to get a word from God and we're not obedient to the last thing God said. And if you're not obedient to the last thing God said, don't be looking for something new. Well, I don't like that. Well, you better submit to it or you're going to die in that same season. Because it was unbelief. It was their lack of trusting God that kept them bound. Let's move on. Let's go to, to Exodus chapter 18. Y'all okay tonight? Jesus, help us. Look at Exodus 18. I'm not mad at you. I know I'm coming across mad. I'm not mad at you. I'm not. But I, what I am saying is, let's get all the unbelief out of us. So a minute ago, I, I asked about the lack of faith and how to get it out, and the answer was by prayer and fasting. Where does that come from? Remember the, 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 the epileptic son? Jesus had been on the mountain, the Mount of Transfiguration. He comes down the mountain, and what happens? The other nine disciples who had already been sent out, the, uh, the apostles had already been sent out and came back telling all kinds of stories about what God had done through them, they're over here, this, this father with this epileptic son brings them to, to, the, to these apostles and they can do nothing with this epilepsy. Jesus comes up and the father says, if you can do anything. Only believe, basically is what Jesus answered. 
And then the father said, Lord, help me with my unbelief. And then Jesus answered this way. This kind cometh out out except by prayer and fasting. Now let me ask you, was it the demon, the epileptic thing that wouldn't come out except by prayer and fasting, or the unbelief in the apostles? The unbelief. Because he's already given us, because he has it, he gave it unto us, all authority and power in heaven and earth is mine now go, and I will be with you. So when the king witch doctor shows up to kill you, there is no fear. When they gather together for purposes of doing what they do, there is no fear. There's only faith. Because if I get in fear, I'm now out of faith and they've got you. Okay? Look at Exodus chapter 18. Look at verse 19. Now listen to my voice, and I will give you counsel, and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. Verse 20. And you, Moses, what are you going to do? You shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. I want to read that again. He's talking to him, and he says, you're going to do what? You're going to teach the people what? the statutes and the laws. And then what you're going to do, you're going to show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. I'm talking to parents. I'm talking to children. I'm talking to everybody in this room. What God wants us to do is this right here. He wants us to be able to teach people how to walk out the Word of God, how to show people how to walk out the Word of God, show people how a, how a husband loves a wife, show people how a man comes out of a life of sin and he's, and he's got a broken past and how God restores him and makes something amazing out of him. You got to be able to teach what you've been doing. You got to be able to show what you're teaching. Are y'all with me, church? And then he says, you're going to walk it out. You're going to show them in the way they must walk and the work they must do. He wants you to be able to teach what, you, what you've been taught and to show people what you're teaching and walk it out and work it and do it. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. He's desiring to raise up a people that will go and do that which they have been taught. Now, church, I'm looking at a room, and a lot of us have been around church for a long time. And if we knew collectively how many sermons we'd been around collectively, it's in the thousands upon thousands, right? Of those sermons that are collectively represented in this room, how much of that are we walking out? How much are we walking out that we know? Some of us, we grew up in it, and we're not walking out what we, what we know. Some of us, we're new to it, and we're doing our level best to walk it out. But I'm telling you right now, there's more. God wants more out of us. God wants more out of me. He wants more out of pastor. He wants more out of tiger. He wants more because people are dying and going to hell, and you are the one that's got to reach them. 
It's not on the evangelist. It's not on the pastor. It's not on the preacher. It's not on the teacher. It's not on the apostle. And it's not on the prophet. It's on the people of God. Because we are the people called by his name who go out there and show the world what it's supposed to be like to be a Christian. Are you with me, church? Because they're watching you. They're watching you at the soccer game. They're watching you at the football game. Right now, there's Christians in football stadiums all over watching high school football right now. And the world's watching them to see how they're going to act and what's going to come out of their mouth and what they're going to laugh to, what they're going to drink, how they're going to do, how they're going to treat their wife, how they're going to treat their children. They're watching. And God wants you to show them. He wants you to teach the statutes, the laws. Show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Lafayette's watching you. What are you showing them? What are you going to show them? On this row is represented all kinds of dreams and aspirations and things. It's up to them to walk it out. What are you going to show them? What are you going to prove to the world that you are a follower of? Because what you follow is what you do. What you think about is getting down to your heart, and out of your heart, your mouth is about to speak. You're going to tell me what you're into by the movies you quote, by the songs you quote, by the things you talk about, and the things you do. I can tell you where a young person is if I listen to them very long at all. Because they're going to quote me movies and they're going to quote me song titles and, and, and things out of songs in a minute. And when you start quoting that stuff, I now know what you listen to and I know what's going in your spirit. Y'all okay tonight? We, we say in this place, this church right here, we are the people of God. We are anointed by God because I know what this man's teaching. He's teaching the word of God. Okay, so I know what's being taught here, but my question is, what are we living in here? We sang the song, God can do anything. We know he can, but the question is, can he do it through you? That's the question. The question is not whether... He and I can agree, and people get healed, people get saved, people get delivered. We know the answer to that. The question is, are you going to walk out of here and carry it and lay your hands on the sick and watch them recover? The question is, are you going to walk it out? Are you going to get up in the morning before daylight hits and your alarm goes off because you get all fired up and I'm going to get up and pray and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read like Brother James. I'm going to do this. And about the time your alarm goes off, you decided the last hour and a half you hadn't slept, so you got to sleep sometime, so I'll get up later and do this. Or you get all froggy and you stick your little foot out the side of the sheet and you feel how cool it is in the house and you say, well, I pray right here. Because I know nobody's done that but me. Well, how does that story end? Right? How many times? A lot. A lot. Me too. Me too. Because I'm a human too. I have to get up and purposely seek God.
I have to purposely set aside time of fasting. I have to purpose. I have to purpose. I have to purpose to be like Jesus. I have to purpose to control my tongue. What you and I desire so many times is to come to an altar like this, weep and cry before God, and God just automatically take my tongue from me, and my mouth just changes. Oh, he can, but it's up to you what comes out of your mouth. So let me tell you what's about to come out of your mouth, whatever's in your heart. When you smash your toe, I'm going to find out. Mother, may I? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I hear you. What's coming out of your mouth is what they're going to follow. That road right there is going to follow what they see. It's going to follow what they see. You hearing me, church? That's up to us. Tiger, how many kids you got? If I got enough fingers and toes? Okay, eight. Eight. Oh, Jesus. Eight. Right now, eight that you know of. I got five. I'm good. My quiver is full. Okay? Eight kids. Are you okay if seven of them go to heaven and one goes to hell? Absolutely, you're good with that. Great. Or did you say not? Oh, I know you did. I'm just making a point. Absolutely not. Let's just say for the sake of illustration that each of those eight have three. That's 24 grandkids. Happy birthday, Papa. That's an average of two a month, buddy. Ha, 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 now. That is if they only have three. If they each have eight, you in trouble. You're going to have to have name tags. Merry Christmas, Tiffany. <laughs> so let's just say 24 grandchildren. In the years to come, if the Lord tarries, of that 24, let's just run percentages. How many are we good with going to hell? None. My grandmother is 97 years old. The wife of a pastor, he passed away many years ago, 1994. She told me, she said, Jason, anyone can raise one generation. but it's that second generation that tells on you. So let me ask you, where are they going? Because they're going to follow you. Where are they going, mama? You know how weighty that is? That one that came out of you went to hell? Your great-grandchildren, there's 112 of them now. How many are you good with going to hell? None. 
What about your great-great-grandchildren? It starts right here. It starts with going, I forgive my forebears where they were short. And God help me to be the example to that which I have. Are y'all following me, church? Brother Bob, how many, you got two kids, right? And you've got how many grandkids? Six. And Lord, one day, hopefully, the mother, that great word, they'll come and go back. One day, maybe. One day, they'll come see you and go back home. Yes. You got two great-grands? None. One day. No, no, one day. One day. Even those grandkids come see you and go back home. Right? We're of that age, right? Y'all come see me, but go home. Go home. Right? Great-grandkids. How many are you good with going to hell? None. But here's the thing. What kind of example were we? How a man loves his wife. How a wife honors her husband. He preached the word. He lived the word. He was, he did to his level best. Was he perfect? Absolutely not. But did we do our level best to what we knew? Yes. Are we still? Yes. Now it's up to that generation to take what they were taught and to adjust it and do better. And then it's up to that generation to take what they've seen and what they've heard and what they've watched and go, I like that, I don't care for that, and adjust it and be more and be better than what they've seen. But do you know how much offense lies in the church today? Do you know how much unforgiveness lies in the church today? Because my daddy wasn't that example. I don't even know who my daddy was. My daddy abandoned me at such and such age. My mother died when I was five years old. Do you know how many people sit in the world today offended at God because their mama died when they were five? Dad remarried, had four more kids. That mama died. Both of them died of cancer. Does that change the fact that God's the healer? Absolutely not. This woman right here lays her hand in cancer. Woof. Watched it. We had a... Skin, I just told Brother Bob. Measles standing in front of us just a few weeks ago. Didn't know it was measles. Jesus heals measles. Broke out in Jesus' name, brand new skin. Like immediately, brand new skin. Does Jesus heal? Absolutely, yes. Mama died, stepmama died, doesn't change the word of God. You got to get over your offense. You got to get over whatever pastor so-and-so did to you that offended you. We came from such and such church and such and such happened and such and such and I was supposed to be and you got to get over the offense that your boss did to you and you're this and you're that and the worship team did to you and so on and so forth. I'm telling you for the church to go forward we got to come out of fence. We got to come out of that come out and be separate says the Lord and a lot of that is forgiveness. Church in this place right now we got to forgive. Do you know what's blocking so much of our healing? Unforgiveness. 
You know what's causing so much of that back pain? I'm telling you right now, there's a, there's a lady in here. You've got a neck issue that you can't even hardly move your neck. And I'm going to tell you right now, a lot of it's tied to unforgiveness. If you'll forgive, watch what God is going to do in your body. Some of that sciatic stuff, I'm telling you, a lot of that stuff is tied to bitterness and, and unforgiveness. And if the church will forgive, all of a sudden it will release and God's virtue will flow over you and all of a sudden you're going you're gonna to feel something you hadn't felt in a long time. Are you there, church? I'm telling you right now, God is wanting to do something amazing in our lives, and it starts tonight. It starts with this whole come out from among them and be ye separate. It starts with going home and getting rid of stuff that God told you years ago to get rid of. It starts with laying your phone down and your iPad, and you start getting along with Jesus. It starts by doing the little things that God's already told you about, and then he'll come and tell you something else, and he's drawing you close to him. And as he draws you close to him, he's coming, here you are, and in a minute, you're going to be right here up next to him it starts tonight and I'm telling you right now if we're going to see God do tomorrow night it starts tonight and it starts with us well you know we looked around this room and you know them, they just didn't come you know it's just mainly home people and who cares who cares listen to me God turned the world upside down with 12. Lafayette could be in trouble if we could get a hold of something. Okay? It's not about us versus them. It's, it's us, the kingdom. One church, one faith, one Lord, one baptism. Okay? But it starts tonight. Because people are going to come in that door tomorrow night that weren't here tonight, and they're going to get breakthrough because we push through it tonight. Okay? Brother Bob, I want you to come and help me right here, okay? Because we're going to repent. We're going to ask Jesus to forgive us offenses and things, bitternesses, hatred. And listen to me. If you're in this place and, and, and you went through a bad divorce or something like that, and it just, ooh, and the very mention of that name makes you, ooh, oh, God, help me. Listen to This is where it starts. You call their name out tonight, even if you don't mean it. Because you want to, you're just not there yet. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You really do want to release them, but you hear that first name, and it, it just strikes inside of you. This is how you overcome it. You start with, God, I release so-and-so, and I forgive them. And you didn't mean it, but you said it. And tomorrow morning you wake up and you say it again. And you keep repeating it. And one day you're going to wake up and you're going to go, God, I forgive so-and-so and I release. And you're going to go, I meant it that time. Because it's, you're releasing it. Are you following me? You've got to forgive because if you don't forgive, he's not forgiving you. Amen? Listen to me, church. There is something God is wanting to do, and it may not even happen through Sunday night. It may be, happen in two months. It may happen, but I'm telling you, God's wanting to do something here. And it starts with repentance. It starts with humbling ourselves, and God, we, we release and forgive our forebears. Where my father did me wrong, where my uncle molested me, God, where so-and-so raped me, God, I release them tonight. I forgive them. I, I... Amen. I personally went through that. 
It was the thing that brought healing in my own personal life. Some of you know my story. I'm not going to go into great depth. But physically and emotionally abused by a father and sexually abused by a priest under the guise of religion, under the guise of being a spiritual father. And so when I tried to draw close to God, that was another father. And it was a barrier. And I had to learn to forgive. And I released him. And when I released him, I was set free. The psalmist said, bring my soul out of prison that I might praise your name. And I found that I was the one who had myself locked in the prison because of un unforgiveness. Brother, can I tell this? Several years ago, there was a major revival going on over in the Crowley area. My wife and I were traveling in ministry all over the country, preaching revival meetings, extended meetings. We had a couple days off we were living in Opelousas. And I drove to the church over there in Crowley. And the minister who had been ministering for months and months and months and months gave an altar call for healing. And I was sitting in the back just observing. And immediately Holy Spirit said, majority of those people going forward will not be healed. He said, I'm going to show you the Achilles heel of the church. And he says, it's unforgiveness. He said, if you refuse to forgive, I will not and cannot forgive you. And it's, it's, it's separating you from receiving. And if you know anything about the story of Achilles, the Greek mythology, look it up his mother wanted him to be impervious to being killed be a warrior and she held him by the heel and dipped him into a lake of fire but the only part that didn't get baptized in that fire was his heel and the story is that later on in a great battle that he had won so many battles a stray arrow went through his heel that had not been coated with the fire and he died. And the Holy Spirit said, I want to baptize you in fire. Holy Ghost fire. He said, but your unforgiveness is keeping me from allowing me to cover you 100%. You've got to release and you've got to forgive.
I, I could tell you so much about this, how God dealt with me about it, but I, I'm just telling you, you have to find your way. You have to find your way. God dealt with me with my father, my earthly father, and said, I want you to write to him and tell him and thank him all for all the things that he did for you. Took me three months. I couldn't write the letter because all I could think of was the horrible things. One day God convicted me about it. He said, you haven't sent the letter yet. And I said, but I don't know what to write. He said, you haven't asked me to help you. And I sat down and wrote a 12-page legal letter, legal-sized paper to my father, thanking him for the things that I learned from him that were good and positive. I put it in an envelope, brother. It was so thick. I put like three stamps on it because I didn't know if it would get there with two. I walked down the end of my street there in Thibodeau, Louisiana to the mailbox, opened it up and dropped it in. And when I did, I want to tell you the weight of the world came off my shoulders. I cried. I sang. I praised God the whole walk all the way back to my house. I forgot all about it. And two days later, I get a phone call, and there's a man on the other end of the line. And I thought he was drunk. I didn't know who it was until I figured, I heard the words, I got the letter. And I realized it was my father. And he said, how can you forgive me for the things that I did? I said, I tried before for years, and I couldn't. But it's Jesus in me. He said, I forgive you. He said, I don't know how you can do that. I said, I can't by myself, but Jesus did it in me. Then it was about that time that all the lawsuits started. Churches and priests and people being sued. People who knew my story called me and said, man, you're going to be a millionaire, man. You need to go file suit. And I said, file suit for what? Well, you were molested for years. Uh, yeah. Well, you can get money. And I said, no. Why not? And I said, because I forgave that man years ago. Because I couldn't hold on to that anymore. And if I go turn around and file suit, then I'm just taking it back. And bringing that mess back into my life. I said, I've been set free from that. I don't want anything to do with that again. And that's why I tell people, I said, don't tell me God can't heal. Can't, that God can't restore. That God can't put back together what, what has been torn apart. I'm telling you, if we will let, if we will release unforgiveness, God can bring us a wave of forgiveness in the church. And, and we want the people in the streets that don't know God to, to receive forgiveness. But how can, how can we take a message that we don't even believe ourselves, that we can't even walk in ourselves? I'm, I'm not trying to preach another message. He handed me the mic. I wasn't ready. <laughs> but my brothers and sisters... That's the answer. We have to, we have to forgive. 
we have to release and we have to let go. I'm just going to follow this leading right now. I don't need to know anything about it. No one else needs to know. But if you be honest with yourself and say that there's some unforgiveness and bitterness in my heart towards a person. Some of, some of you, you see the person in the grocery store and you duck down a different aisle because you don't want to see them. That's not Christian. That's not a spirit-filled life. Some of you have been hurt by your mama, your dad, brother, sister. The whole world out there is full of people who have been hurt by the church. They need to learn to forgive so that God can restore. And if you need God to help you in letting someone go, because I'm telling you, the prison of unforgiveness, you're the one that's locked up. That other person's out there walking free. If you need someone, if you need God to help you forgive and let go, I'm just going to ask you to boldly just stand right where you're at, and we're going to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? You need God to help you release, forgive, and let go. I want you right where you're at right now to speak with your own words, your own words, what you need to say to let that person go. And I want you to see this as that's happening. When you speak those words and you say, Father, I forgive. Help me to let go. Help me to let it go. I don't want this anymore. I want you to see yourself putting the key in the door that has held you captive for so long and you are turning the key and that door is opening up and you are walking out free, totally free because you have forgiven and let them go. Father, in the name of Jesus, you see each and every one of these that are standing in this place right now. And I believe there's some that may be watching or that will hear about this later. God, we, why we would want to handle, hold on to something so damaging and so harmful and hurtful in our own lives. Self-inflicted wounds. 
because of unforgiveness and bitterness and anger towards individuals, towards situations. Those things have happened. We cannot control it. We cannot undo it. But what we can do is forgive and let go right now in the name of Jesus. Devil, I am free. From this moment forward, I will not speak of that situation and hatred or anger or or. or contempt your word Lord says bless those who curse you do good unto those who do harm to you I lift my hands that no longer carry that weight of unforgiveness. And I lift my hands and I praise you. I magnify you. I worship you. And I give you thanks for setting me free tonight. Free, 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 for whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Not partially free, not 99% free, but 100% free. God, we've released them. And we receive, Lord, your forgiveness and your love and your grace and your mercy right now in our lives. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. And I will challenge you to begin to pray for that person. If they're still alive, pray for them. Pray blessing for them. Pray God have his way in their lives. Because the Bible says that pure water and salt water can't come from the same source. You can't speak evil against them one moment and then turn around and pray for them and ask God to bless them the next. You want to get victory over that thing? You begin praying God's blessing, that God's begin to work in their lives, that God will begin to move in their lives. It will change you. I'm telling you, it will change you. It will change you.
Let's all stand together.
Father, we thank you that you desire to bless your people. You desire greater things than we can even begin to fathom or imagine. And we thank you, Father, that this is the first step. You have things planned that haven't even entered into our minds. We've come and we say, Lord, we're coming this week with all our heart, all our mind, everything about us, Lord. Holy Spirit, search our hearts. If there are things that need to be changed, that need to be gotten rid of, that need to be realigned, whatever, then, Father, show us through your Spirit. Let the Spirit of God speak to us and show us that. Show us that. Because, God, we want you more than anything. We want you, Jesus. Your purpose, your plan, your kingdom in our lives, through our lives, for your glory and your name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. If you're writing a check to bless them, make it out to Life Church, and we will gather what comes in over the weekend and give it to them. Thank you again. Tomorrow night, 6 o'clock. It's a little bit earlier. Come, bring somebody with you. Bring some friends with you. 6 o'clock tomorrow night, 1030 Sunday, 6 p.m. Sunday night. Amen.